welcome to the Grapeseed Official Podcast. It has been a while since we had a deep dive episode, but with what you're about to hear, I think you will agree it was worth the wait. A couple weeks ago, I brought you the first episode of Grapeseed Talks Archives, a new series highlighting the best content from the online teacher meetings Grapeseed Japan does. Our guest today has taken part quite frequently and shared all of the amazing things his school does with encouraging English outside of the Grapeseed classroom. Unfortunately, the audio was a bit rough, so I invited him on here to share those same ideas with everyone internationally. That was a bit of a long intro, but welcome to the show, Joshua. Oh, thank you, Adam. Glad to be here. Looking forward to it. Excellent. We can jump right in here. What do you and your school do outside of Grapeseed Lesson Time to further encourage English? Um, it's a really good question, and it was something that's taken a couple of years for us to actually kind of think about. But on our side, we do an afternoon English time. And it's in addition to grapeseed, but it all is connected to grapeseed. And everything we do in that time is to encourage kids to have fun with English, use the English that they know, and learn new English. And everything revolves around that, that mantra. And for us, on our end, uh, from this year, we started using a STEAM or a STEM-based approach to that. And each time we do a lesson, it revolves around science, technology, engineering, arts, or mathematics. That's one of the things that we try to stick to each time. And doing that, we found at first we were really kind of scared to implement this at a kindergarten with three, four, and five-year-old kids. And we started to think, okay, maybe we cannot do it with three-year-olds. It's beyond their comprehension and skill set at this stage. So we decided to focus more on the four- and five-year-old age groups. So with that, we started to experiment a little bit on our side how to um, conduct lessons that, number one, would use the English that they're learning in grapeseed productively in this STEAM or STEM environment. And from this year, we, I think we've really hit some really fun and exciting lessons that have been engaging, productive, and are rehashing or reusing or adding to the great seed experience. And what we found is the kids walk away with like this passion and like excitement for learning English that they're already getting in grape seed, but it's just extending it out and beyond that. So that, you know, every day they're asking, is today an English time? And when we give them the answer, like, no, I'm sorry, today's the zoo day, or, or no, I'm sorry, today we have to do sports practice day. The reaction is very disappointing on the kids. And they're like, really wanting to do English time every single day. And it's really, 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 really uh, encouraging on our end. And it makes us feel good to know that kids love to do these STEAM and STEM based lessons that are focused on grapeseed language skill sets. And I really enjoy doing it. Excellent. So um, just logistics yeah. here. English mm. time is how many times a week and how long does it last? Oh, that's a good question. So basically, we do the grapeseed 40 minutes every single day. Monday through Friday for the four and five-year-old age groups. For the afternoon English, we do it twice a week, and it's 30 minutes each time. Okay, great. And that afternoon English, we do the STEM or STEAM, but it's up to the individual teacher to decide 
what it is that they're going to teach on any given day. So it's not like we script or pre-produce lesson plans or anything like that. Uh, we give our teachers the flexibility and freedom to choose what they want to teach. And if it's a science lesson, they, they can choose to teach A, B, or C. It's, it's up to them. If they need suggestions or ideas or input, we're there and available. Uh, but we ask only that they make the language targeted with the grape seed in mind. We don't want to go beyond that or below that because we feel that the kids will get best served if they understand the vast majority of what's being taught. I really like this idea, especially the the creativity that it bestows upon the teachers, because I think a lot of teachers, one criticism they might have of teaching Grapeseed is that they have to follow the lesson plan as it is, and they don't have a lot of chances to really bring their own ideas and do what they want to do. But if you have something like this, an extra 30 minutes a couple times a week, like you guys have at your school, this really gives those teachers that time to, okay, now I can make my own lesson plan and I can plan this out and prepare this thing and do all this extra stuff and really flex those creativity muscles. Yes. And what we've found is that it, it leads to better job satisfaction. <laughs> like you don't go home feeling, well, you know, what did I do today? I taught grapes to yay and I had fun. It was great. But when you see the, the teacher being able to put their, their own art or their own uh, passion to use in a lesson, I've actually had teachers come and show me like, you've got to see what I did today with the kids. And I'm like, well, what is it? And I'll go and look and I too will be blown away because I couldn't believe that, you know, a four or five year old kid could do what, what's being done. And a good example of that is one of our teachers here at the school. Um, her name is Samantha. She created these really cool moths in an art project. And she used Conte, which is basically like chalk, to draw these moths on a kind of like a construction paper. And the tone really fit the autumn mood as the weather started to change. And it synced up perfectly with the, the unit they're doing that talks about weather. <laughs> so everything she was thinking about had some focus or impact from grapeseed into that activity. And when I went in to see those moths, Adam, you yourself would have thought they were flying around the room. It was just <laughs> so beautiful. And, like, and the kids, she told me, she said, they were really proud. They were so proud of their moths. And she said, and kind of in a quiet tone, she said, um, Joshua, they could actually draw better than I could. <laughs> and it was so amazing. And they learned the word moth, which is not taught at that stage in, in Gravesy, but it just extended out you know, their understanding. They knew butterfly. And a lot of the kids would say, she, she asked them, like, what is it? And they, they were saying butterfly or butterfly. But, but she said, no, this is, this is a moth. And it led to a whole other discussion about what's the difference between moths and butterflies. It was a really good way to take language they knew and just extend or build upon it. It was a fantastic, fantastic art project with the STEAM afternoon Englishes that we do. That's incredible. I think when you first were describing these things, I think some of the creative teachers might be listening and thinking, oh, wow, great. This is all this, all this chance I can flex these muscles. But then other teachers might be thinking, oh, wow, these guys must be preparing so much stuff and it must be just overwhelming as a teacher. But just listening to that story there, okay, like I'm, I'm sure that there was preparation involved, obviously, but it was construction paper, chalk, like pretty relatively yeah. simple things you can get anywhere and just doing something that's interesting with the kids. 
Yeah, we found actually that the more extravagant or the more uh, items that you had to put into it, the less the kids got out of it because they were they were trying really hard to do the thing, but it was too complicated. So on our end, we we thought simple is best. Um, another example we used was in the technology sector of STEM and STEAM. We brought in iPads and we just placed iPads around the room and we talked about how to use an iPad and like uh, what the features. And a lot of kids already knew, but some didn't because their parents don't let them touch technology at their home. So we had to make sure everyone was on the same page and how to use and the rules for using iPads. And we put them in groups and then we took vocabulary words that they knew from Grapeseed. And we used the phonics and phonemes that they're learning, and we would sound them out. And then the kids would take the iPad in groups and try to figure out how to spell those words. <laughs> and, oh, wow. oh, I'm telling you, the guy that I was, this is actually a lesson that I did with another partner teacher. And he, at first, we were really scared. Oh, they're going to break these iPads. We're going to be in big trouble. It's going to lead to a big mess. You know, something's going to happen. The kids won't focus. They'll try to play games on the iPads or something like that. But we just basically opened up the memo pad on iPad on each one of them and got them to actually just do a spelling exercise using technology. So, and it was so, I, even to this day, we still talk about that lesson together, he and I. And it's like, I can't believe we did that with four-year-old kids. We were really, I, I was pretty skeptical at first. I was like, we're going to try this, but uh, it's going to fail. And, and the other guy was like, yeah, I, I, he was like, yeah, I don't, I, I, I don't have too much confidence. <laughs> and then we went and did, we did, did it and they could do it. And it was like, wow. Yeah, we're, we're on to something here. And uh, we did a bunch of other things related to that lesson using technology, but it was a lot of fun. And within all of that, we always open up with a song time or some sort of, sort of circle time where we get the kids moving. Uh, you don't want them to just sit all the time doing a craft or an exercise. We try to kind of script it a little bit, but in a way that it's flexible for the teacher to do whatever they want, whatever they specialize in, whatever they're good at. And for us, uh, we kind of like dances at our school because that's kind of one of the themes of the school. So we do a lot of dances with music and things like that. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Give us just one more good example there. Either it could be something you did or another teacher did, but I like those two examples so far. Just to just to give the listeners a little bit more of just an idea right. of other things that they could be doing. For example, we another one we did was in the summertime, all the kids swim. We have a pool at our school and they all go swimming. So we were going to do, we were like, all right, we're, we're on STEM here or STEAM, and we already done science, we'd already done technology. Oh, now it's time for engineering. And me, me and another guy were sitting down, we're like, oh, Lord, what are we going to build with these kids? You know, what, what, what could be good? You know, you know, how can we? And then the idea of a boat got brought up. And then that led to like sink or float. So we were trying to tie in the concepts of science about sinking and floating versus the engineering aspect of actually building something that could, could float. And we did two lessons on this. Uh, one where we introduced the concepts of sinking and floating and talked about ship design. And we showed some videos and some, you know, things like this. And this was with four-year-old kids. And again, we were like, 
this will never fly. They're not going to understand sink and flow. They're not going to understand building ships and all this stuff. But what we found was, again, our expectation was far lower than the kids' capability. And all we had to do is believe in the kids a little bit more and be a little bit more confident with you know, their, their, their uh, skill set. And they, they built boats. They were saying sink and swim all day long. They ran around uh, throwing things in the pool. Oh, it sinks, it sinks. Mr. Ricky, it sinks. Mr. Joshua, it <laughs> sinks. And like, yeah, yeah. And then one kid jumped in and he said, I sink. <laughs> and we're like, yeah. And then, and then I, I laid down in the water and was floating. And then I said, I float. And they all were just dumbfounded. They're like, eh. <laughs> it was so. I, I wish I had a video of that moment of those kids doing, and then they took their boats and put them in the water and played with them and had fun. But the concepts of sinking and floating all sunk in their minds. They really understood it. And it was just really fun to build. It took some time. I mean, it was two 30 minute lessons. So basically an hour uh, in total, but the kids had a blast. It was very simple boats. I, I want the people that are listening to not not think that we were building these elaborate popsicle stick boats that you know you know using hot glue or something like that. No, no, no. We used tape. We used boxes and paper, and we tried to make them as waterproof as possible. But in the end, and I told the other teachers that these are going to get destroyed. I was like, that's the whole plan. Like we want to break them <laughs> and have fun. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Like. They're little kids. Let them have fun. Let them break it. Like, oh, okay, you know, like, and it was very cathartic. It felt really great to do it and to see them smiling and having fun and enjoying uh, speaking, learning, and building on their age. That was so amazing. That sounds like a blast for everyone involved, except maybe the teacher has to go diving down <laughs> and picking up all the things that sunk that the kids threw in the water. <laughs> We spent an hour cleaning that pool. <laughs> there, there was, was tape say. everywhere. There was paper everywhere. I was like, um, I told the, the, my partner to you, I was like, Ricky, Miss Ricky, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have to clean this pool up. But in the end, I felt, and he felt also, it was really worth it. It was so much fun. That is excellent. Are there any other things that you do at your school kind of outside of the grapeseed lesson time to encourage students with their kind of English journeys? Yeah, uh, I can give a really good example of one of the teachers. She actually, and this is something I tell the parents at our school, we teach the cultural games that we all grew up with and learned as children. So like Foursquare and Red Rover, Red Rover, where the kids make two lines and they try to run across and break the other line. And if they can't break that, they join the other team. And the team that's the biggest at the end wins. All these games that when we were kids that we enjoyed playing. And of course, you know, kids play Onigoko in Japanese, but we teach them hide and seek. And we do some original games. One of our teachers here, I mentioned her earlier, Samantha, she made this like spider web game because of units for the spider's web. So she took and draws this spider web with chalk on the playground and has kids like try to escape from the spider web. And if she catches them, she brings them back to the spider web and they're stuck there until a friend comes and frees them, like the bird that comes and frees the grasshopper. And at first I was skeptical. I was like, Smith, the kids, they know all that language and stuff, but are they, but it is a smashing success. Kids, she played it today and it was so amazing. I was like, 
You know, these kids are enjoying a game that's totally original, that's based off the grapeseed material. And I was just sitting there stunned because it wasn't just, you know, the older kids. It was a bunch of different age groups from three to five playing together, doing this spider web game. And some of the kids are doing little seed. They have no concept of the spider's web. And yet there they are doing it. It was pretty, pretty amazing. That's all excellent. I really, I think the the biggest and most impressive thing out of all of those examples you've shared so far is that no matter what you guys are doing, of course, you're, you're trying to have fun, but the main focus is always on language and getting kids using language, whether it's from Grapeseed directly or you're kind of extending a little bit with that moth example or sink and float. The focus is on yeah. just developing their, their language skills more, not just like, okay, let's go play a game. So I, I really like all these examples you've given. These have been really great. Yeah, and Adam, like I, I, on our end, we we hear a lot about writers uh, with grapeseed and stuff like that. And one thing that I, when I was like, the, um, we had a homeroom teacher position at my school. When I was a homeroom teacher position, I often had to think, how do I get kids to write better and more effective and just know words and memorize them and just so that they can just, when they come to do the writer, they can fly through it. They're very confident and happy. And some of the examples that I I started to recollect, like, what are some of the things that I did to help the kids improve their writing, not only the speed, but clarity and, and you know, just understanding and all that. And I started thinking, and I remembered back, I used to do like, um, we have these ABC magnets. It doesn't teach writing per se, but what it did teach was the spelling of words. And I found that once kids understood how to spell the words, when they went to write it, <laughs> they were 10 times faster than before they played those type of games. And we would take these magnets and put on our, we have a chalkboard in our classrooms. And I would write the, you know, the headline, the belt line and the foot line on the chalkboard in advance. And then the kids would come in and I would have a list of words and they would have to go through and find those words. And that list of words came directly from the writer for that day. So that the kids, before they even did the writer, were being exposed to the material. And they themselves could spell these words really quickly. And, uh, and I would time them. I was like, how many can you spell within a given framework? And once they cleared, they'd all have to raise their hand. And then I would stop the timer. And I tried to get them to see that they could spell faster and faster and faster. And that was one thing that I found that really helped with writing. The other thing I found was using puzzles and like phonogram puzzles. I, I don't know if that explains exactly what it is, but basically it has a picture for example, the word cow, and cow is spelled C-O-W, and then on the puzzle, it will be divided into three parts, and the kids have to learn how to arrange those parts to spell the word, and I found that by doing these spelling-based activities in it, in, before we started the writer, the kids were able to do the writer a lot, lot faster with way more confidence and a lot less of their effective filter being utilized or uh, used up. Uh, during a writer exercise, it was really, really good. And I even created my own game, trying to think how can I teach the four-year-old classes the phonograms, you know, the, the basics, C, D, you know, the letters that they all learn. So I took like bags of um, shredded paper and I stuck a, all the phonograms that they were learning up into a specific unit. 
And I put the shredded paper in, and then I took those phonogram paper and slid it between the, um, the, the shredded paper. So kids would have to shake this bag around to find these letters. And when they found them, they had to save the sound of that letter. And when they did that, they would get a point for their team. And I would actually have two of these bags, and these kids would be shaking them and trying to find these sounds. It was so much fun. The kids, uh, they would request that game more than anything else when I taught the four-year-old lesson using that activity. And I can just really recollect them trying to do that. And basically what I would do as, as they got older, I took the card out and would change it and put in a new card. And they still did this same and it didn't cost me anything. I, I, I went to the shredder in our office and took some shredded paper and asked them, can I have some shredded paper? And they looked at me like, what in the world are you going to do with that? But it was a fantastic little activity. And kids, I actually got them where they were spelling words. I would write a word on the board and they would use that shaker thing and try to find those letters. And when they found them, they'd raise their hand. And I, once I verified, they would go to the next one. For example, if it's cat, they would look for cat and they would try to find it in that card by shaking that shredded paper bag around. It was so much fun. But it, those type activities help improve my students' writing and their love of writing. And in fact, they would ask for writing more than English time. <laughs> and, and when I would tell them that they would ask me, like, um, from unit three, they were like, is today a writer day? And I'm like, no. And that you could hear the moan from the crowd. Like, <laughs> oh, you know, they were disappointed. They were really mad at me that I wasn't doing a writer on that day. But if teachers are looking for ways to make kids enjoy writing and improve their speed, all you have to do is put a little thought into it and like think, how can you use what you have available? It doesn't have to cost a lot. You don't have to go out and buy you know, extravagant materials, uh, simple stuff, just to get kids interested in the letters and the process of reading and writing is a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun making these activities. I often would think, I would sit down and be like, okay, if I was a kid, how could I learn this? And then I would say, okay, and now I, I know how old I am now, but I have to think about what if I was that age? And then is this level appropriate? Is it going to work for this age level for them to do it? And I, I'm not going to sit over here on my high horse and say I didn't have failures. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> oh, oh, man. Uh, I've had tons of things backfire and things that I thought, this could be great. And then it's like, it sat over there in the corner and nobody touched it. And I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> but, what, but what I learned through failures is you can grow yourself as a teacher if you just try, try to fail and look for failure and then try to find that, what it is that that failure encompassed. And this, I think, we should, is what we should be teaching our kids in the classroom. All great stuff. So many great ideas for teachers who have a little bit of extra time in, uh, around their students at their at their yeah. schools. So thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Joshua. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Adam. If you have any comments or questions or other ideas that you have it, that you do at your school for outside of grapeseed time, send those into mailcarrier at grapeseed.com. And as always, thank you for listening and good luck in the classroom. Goodbye, my friends, goodbye. I'm sad to say goodbye. It was.
was a good day, but now I will say goodbye, my friends, goodbye. Goodbye, everyone.